The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. It's sex out loud. And you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. Coming up on the program, the Vagina Dialogues will uh, find out, is uh, cannabis use when pregnant or nursing something you can do? We'll talk about secondary infertility. How long do you have to wait to have sex after delivery? We'll talk about postpartum depression and any other questions you have for our panelists, our specialists in female sexual health. That's coming up after 10.15, but first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. Tonight, uh, I answer your questions at the beginning of every show, not just tonight, every night. You can also email me your questions to laurie at drlaurie.com. This one uh, by email. My question is, why do women say they are... they? I'm not sure how this goes. They are, they will meet after their divorce is complete. Then you contact them and they say they are in a relationship, but never mentioned it from the beginning. It's very possible that this is just uh, a way for them to tell you they're not interested, sadly, uh, unfortunately. But if uh, you're interested in somebody or you're pursuing someone and they say to you, well, you know what, uh, I don't want to date. I don't want to date until my divorce is complete. And then you wait, then you call them. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm in another relationship. It's very possible that uh, they just weren't really all that interested to uh, to begin with. So if anybody else has any thoughts on that, uh, you can feel free. Text in at 514-800. Another question by email. Uh, Dr. Lori, do you think this is overstated? I compared female breasts with penises in front of some ladies at a party, and they all disagreed. My reasons are the same uh, The same way breasts are symbols of feminism. Penis is also a symbol of masculinity. And the same way that men are interested in size and shape of breasts, so do the women about penises. Uh, but then the women disagreed with you, and I, I would say the same. I don't think that women go around um, the same way that men may talk about female breasts, that we go around talking about uh, the the penis in terms of its size or shape or anything of that sort. I think for the most part, women, they, that's not what they are concerned about or look for. It's also not something that is obvious like breasts. You can tell a woman's breast size but simply by what she wears. You cannot tell a man's penis size by the pants he wears, generally speaking. So uh, I don't think it would come up as a, as a discussion at a party. So I don't know if anybody else... I think that's what you're asking. Uh, I'm not quite sure, but... I don't think it would matter uh, so much. 514-800 if you have any questions that you would like me to answer. And you can send them in throughout the show, towards the end of the show. Uh, if uh, if there's time, I will get to, or if there's other questions that come in, I will answer them at the end of the show as well. I want to make sure you get the uh, the help that you need. I've been masturbating a lot recently, and now porn just doesn't cut it for me. I've taken to new levels, even invested into a pocket pussy. No erection. I think the issue may resolve itself, but I don't want to take it up with a doctor. 
Why wouldn't you want to take it up with a doctor? That always amazes me. But anyhow, uh, this does sound like it's psychological anyway and not uh, not physical, so I'm not sure what a doctor would do for you. But I do think the issue might resolve itself. I think you're right, but not without you abstaining from porn and abstaining uh, from masturbation for a while. You need to reboot, basically, and rewire your brain. Um and changing any habit takes time. It takes discipline. Of course, it's easier said than done for, for many people. But let's talk about why you need to reboot your brain. Um, your frequent porn use has created what, what we would look at as a, a reduction of the dopamine receptors in your brain, which produces uh, a reduction, like reduces your sensitivity, your dopamine sensitivity, which can then result in erect, erectile issues. When your brain is on porn, it responds to an onslaught of dopamine, which comes from the frequent use of porn. So to reboot, you actually need to take a break from all outside sexual stimulation, so anything coming in that's uh, sexually stimulating so that your brain has time to restore uh, the dopamine receptors. Now, that doesn't mean you have to swear off sex with a partner. Remember, it's all the outside stuff, not the necessarily the partnered stuff, but you need to create a healthy relationship with sex. Now, when we talk about rewiring, it that's about the habit. It's about having created a very strong habit in the reward circuits of the brain, right? Uh, and we need to be able to reverse that. So, and to do that, you don't just stop, but you also have to replace a bad habit with something else. So you got to, you have to think about some stuff that you can do. So for example, when you feel the urge, what can you do? You can do mindfulness exercises, breathing techniques. You can uh, journal, like keep a journal next to you and write down some of your thoughts. All of this requires an effort to change a habit. To change a habit, you have to be very mindful and conscious of what's going on in your head, what are triggering the urges, and then uh, replace it with something. It's the only way you can break that kind of habit. Think of uh, porn as junk food. Junk food for uh, your brain and your, your body that it doesn't need. So it's like going on a diet, swear off the junk food, make that choice. Uh, Dr. Lori, I don't know what women you're re- referencing that don't go around looking at penis size. 90% do say they just don't admit it in public. It's just the way it is. So they don't admit it, meaning they don't talk about it out loud. I'm not sure what you mean. Um, the lot of women that I have spoken to and over the years have looked at studies that you do have some women that care about size, but other women that it's not a make or break thing, the size. For some, maybe. And obviously, are we talking about much less than average, um, you know, much more than average, which some women have, you know, difficulty with that too. So, 
Uh, texter writes in, I've had a very, I've had a similar situation where a guy was in a relationship with a girl and was interested in cheating with me. Yet he didn't want to leave his girlfriend who was cheating on him because he was living in her house. I met him a year later and he was with another girl and he doesn't drive, but she drives him everywhere. In that case, he was only interested in using me to cheat and seems to use women for their lodging or transportation. I didn't have anything monetary to give him. So what you're saying is it could very well be that there's other motives in all of this. So not, okay, gotcha. Uh, another texter writes that the size of the penis doesn't matter. It's the curves that count. So that's interesting, the the curves. And I remember a couple weeks back, we had questions about a curved penis and somebody wrote in saying that they love their partner's curved penis because it hits all the right spots. And there is an advantage to uh, a certain uh, certain curved penis. Um, I love boobs the same as I like penises. Does that mean I'm gay? Well, it means that you might be bisexual. It isn't just about loving the body part, but what about uh, how connected do you feel to both uh, uh, genders? Are you um, romantically inclined for both genders? So it's not just about what body parts you like. It's who you like to have sex with, who you fantasize about, who you fall in love with. All of this determines orientation. So you certainly wouldn't be completely straight if we're looking at the big spectrum of sexual orientation, uh, and you wouldn't be completely gay either. So... Uh, coming up, the Vagina Dialogues, one of my favorite uh, nights where we focus on female sexual health. We've got Dr. Jackie Madar, who will be in, as well as Laura Schaefer, a pelvic floor physiotherapist. And we're going to talk about all kinds of things like cannabis use uh, when pregnant. And now that it's legal, I don't know if it makes a difference or not. And secondary infertility and other questions that you have. You've got uh, them right here in studio to answer those questions. So please send them in at 514 We strip away the stigmas every night with passion on CJAD 800. Some of them are bold. Some are kind of scary. And this is what they're called. The I never actually tire of this song. I'm not sure why, but maybe because we only hear it once a month. When the Vagina Dialogues are on. Uh, we've got Dr. Jackie Madar. She is a, a obstetrician and gynecologist at the Jewish General Hospital. Laura Schaefer is here. She's a pelvic floor physiotherapist. And uh, me. So we're here to talk about female sexual health. Ladies, always a pleasure to see you here. Always a pleasure, Lori. So we've got, I already have questions uh, for you. So a couple things. Um, I think yesterday or the day before, uh, somebody had, we were talking about uh, how long do you wait to have sex, for example, after giving birth. Somebody had asked that question. And one person says, what, what happened to no sex for a year? Oh, my God. <laughs> so somebody's lying to that husband. Yeah, exactly. That's yes. exactly what I was just going to say. <laughs> how often do women come and tell you, tell him later. Tell yeah, him it ha- yeah, it happens. At, like, not all the time, but it does happen from time to time for sure. Like, they kind of say a joking, but then I'm like, I know you're not joking. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so how long after giving birth 
uh, do you usually get the okay? And what what do you look for to make sure that, that they they can you know resume sexual relations? So great question. It depends if you've had a vaginal delivery or a C section, and it also depends if you had any tearing. So typically we say to wait six weeks because that's really when if there's been any tearing after delivery um, around the vagina, that's really how long it takes to heal. Um, that being said, though, I've had patients who are very aware of their bodies, who've had minimal tearing, who felt fine and have had intercourse before they come to see me. It's definitely not the norm, but I've had, I have had, or if it's like their second or third baby and they right. kind of know what to expect. Um, but there's really no rule. Like I just would avoid having sex if there's a fresh tear and it's, and there's stitches in there and it's healing. Um, the reason why we say six weeks is, first of all, it's going to be extremely painful if it's still healing. Right. And uh, you don't want it to get infected. Um, and you don't want the stitches to uh, to sort of undo. So that's with the vaginal delivery. With the C-section, you know, surprisingly, women can still have pain with sex, even if they've mm-hmm. had a C-section. And so, I mean, if they felt okay and wanted to have sex beforehand, like, why not? You're not trauma- traumatizing the area weeks, before mean. six mm-hmm. weeks. Um, but also to keep in mind that um, sex might be painful after delivery, especially if you're breastfeeding, because the breastfeeding hormone actually sort of goes against your estrogen, which is the hormone that gives uh, a lot of vaginal lubrication and what, it's right. what actually goes down after menopause. Like, right. So it can be painful regardless. But for C-section, honestly, like there's no rule for me. It's you just have to feel good and, and nothing too vigorous because, again, you want the abdominal wound to heal well. So the general rule is six weeks, but also just like common sense, like you have to be feeling good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like a texture wrote in a cesarean is two months, no sex. Somebody else is telling him that, yeah, but uh, so yeah, I'm not no sure that. Guidelines. Right. Yeah. There's no exactly. Yeah. And the other thing is, um, I see it so often that women are, yeah, are pushing, um, through the pain, right? They mm-hmm. think, Oh, I'm three months after delivery. Like I should be for sure back active with my partner and they're telling me but it's painful but I'm already 12 weeks postpartum that that's normal right and I should be back having intercourse and it's like no if it's painful you don't do it right something's going on and you're going to develop another type of condition or some type of chronic pain if you're pushing through that pain right and sometimes women have tears on the inside that may not may may have been small and like keep getting reopened every time and and you need time to heal that right even even those that were not stitched. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Proper yeah. so lubrication. The, yeah, yeah, and um, and then the other thing would be um, is is just knowing that it could feel a bit different, and yeah. that's normal. Okay. Don't expect it to be feeling the exact same the first few times that you engage in intercourse yeah. after having yeah. babies, C-section and vaginal. Yeah. And that that's normal, and yeah. that it's going to take time. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think that's absolutely. important for mm-hmm. people to know. This person writes, after birth till the six weeks, is anal sex okay? <laughs> you know, you're really pushing it. You know, give, could you give her a break? <laughs> I mean, if you like, want to, you know, like, like people. But again, you know, some tears, you know, they go close to the anus. So, that's right. And if know, the stitches are in the perineum. Like there's mm-hmm. a risk of uh, things getting infected, the stitches tearing. So I would just really, that, that's why I say the general rule really is six weeks. That's the time it takes to heal. Right. 
let's. Uh, I just want to re- I want to really address this one because when there are cuts to the perineum to allow the baby to come through, let's say the episiotomy yeah. stuff, which of course gets stitched up, which yes. is between the anus and the vaginal yes. opening. Yes. If you're having anal sex and bacteria yeah. gets in there, you yeah. you're risking sure. greater infection. And like, it's like not fun. Okay, when that becomes infected, it takes long to heal because it's in an area. There's always rubbing. It's like not fun if uh, if it gets infected. So it's best just to avoid that. There you go. Yeah. So don't. <laughs> and your pelvic floor for nine months has was, has had the pressure of a baby, you know, and all the weight on That's top true. of it. And it's usually often tight and overused. Mm. Um, and, and so then again, your pelvic floor is going from your bone in the front of your pelvis all the way to the, your tailbone behind the anus, ah. right? So that so might thinking, be painful too. Well, yeah, the muscles there are also tend to be tight and sore just because you didn't, you know, give birth around that area exactly. But the mi- muscles are very tender. Right. And uh, it could be painful and just aggravate it. And this is why we need a pelvic floor specialist mm-hmm. in studio with us, Laura <laughs> Schaefer. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. If you have questions for uh, for our guests, uh, do send them in at 514 the Vagina Dialogues uh, tonight. So I, I did get a question from a woman who um, said that the guys that she's been with has said that she smells down there, uh, but she has no STIs or anything, and and she I guess she herself never noticed it. If a woman has a a problem or a like a bacterial vaginosis or something, would she herself smell it on herself? Like, how, or would, <laughs> I, I know mean, this sounds like a crazy partner, do, but I mean I've had patients that don't so it depends on your awareness i don't know if i can answer that medically it just depends on your awareness of your body like i've had patients who say it smells and i find nothing and there's no infection okay and i don't think it smells when i examine them and yeah then you're I've pretty patients, up close and personal well, that's right you know so <laughs> you know and then i've had patients that tell me it smells and then they're i'm like yeah yeah okay like this is an infection and then it is an infection um, and then I've had patients who I'm examining them for another reason. And then I'm like, okay, I need to take a swab because this smells like an infection. So sometimes you can be aware. I mean, that's my, sometimes aware, sometimes not. And also thinking that, like you said, a woman may come in saying, Ooh, I smell. And you're yeah. like, no, you don't. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah. not, so is it knowing Knowing what a vagina should smell like, or there's variations in 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 the menstrual cycle in terms of of smell, and you know, I don't know. Um, I mean, variations. I would say for sure there's variations after menopause because that's when the vaginal pH changes. Okay. So a lot of women after menopause will tell me their discharge is different, the smell is different. Okay. Um, the birth, like oddly enough, like you don't, you don't even learn this in school, but like the birth control pill can change vaginal discharge. Ah. And just anecdotally, this is purely out of my practice. I've yes, seen yes. patients tell me, you know, you've seen more vaginas you know, than any of us here, <laughs> yeah. uh, Dr. Madar. <laughs> you know, they tell me, you know, since I've been taking the pill, they've noticed a difference or we know like the Nuva ring, for example, it's a vaginal ring used for birth control that we know for sure can cause increased discharge. But I mean, in terms of times of the cycle, the discharge can change, not necessarily necessarily the smell and obviously the smell can be different when you have your period because right. it's like bloody and again um, every uh, every vagina has a smell like it's yeah. not it's not a neutral uh you know baby powder smell no 
But, like, typically, like, if patients, like, if there's a bad smell, like, I'm sorry, this sounds gross, but what smell, if you have a bacterial infection, it smells fishy. That's what it smells like. So if clearly that's what you're smelling, then that's a sign of infection. But if it's, if patients just say it smells weird, I think they just might, might not be aware that that's what it actually smells like. Okay. Uh, hi, Dr. Lori and gang. 27 years ago, three weeks postpartum, third C-section. I was good to go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Listen, I've known people who've gotten pregnant oh, whose yeah. kids are born nine months apart. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. You know? Yeah. I have a cousin. She gave birth to twins yeah. nine months apart. I was like, wow. are you crazy? Wow. <laughs> Couldn't leave you alone. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that can happen. If you have questions, uh, please uh, send it in at 514-800. We're talking about female sexual health. If you're not a female and you have a male question, I'll answer that towards the the end of the show, no problem. Uh, but in the meantime, we have Dr. Jackie Madar in studio. She's an OBGYN along with Laura Schaefer. She's a pelvic floor physiotherapist. And by the way, pelvic floor physiotherapy is a thing now. And, and there are many more physiotherapists who uh, specialize in this area versus 30 years ago, which there were very few. Uh, and this service is available at the clinic that I'm associated with. My offices in the West Island is uh, Capino Physio and Wellness Center. So you can always call there if you need information. Uh, let's see, cannabis use. I got this, uh, I don't know if it's a, it was a media release. Yeah, I guess it was a media release that talked about, uh, I guess everyone's talking about cannabis use, mm-hmm. everyone, mm-hmm. Um, in, even in terms of uh, female sexual desire, mm-hmm. but uh, now wondering if uh, cannabis, whether it's in oils, in edibles, um, whatever, are they safe for pregnant women? So absolutely not. Um, cannabis uh, in when uh, in women when they're pregnant, uh, we have seen there's not that much research on it. But what the research that we do have shows that it can be uh, damaging to the developing fetal brain. And so uh-huh. it can range anywhere from, you know, intellectual disabilities, per, like problems with uh, behavior, things like this. So there was a big statement that was put out by the SOGC, which is the Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada, uh, when cannabis became legal, that they really, we really, really do have a strong stance and we discourage okay. any pregnancy just because of the potential effects on the fetal brain. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, coming up, uh, we, uh, we will talk about why it's a good idea to have sex when you are pregnant, the whole positives to having sex when pregnant with uh, the Vagina Dialogues panel here. Uh, Let's uh, check in with our CJD 800 newsroom first. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. This is Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. We got some great questions here to be answered by our vagina dialogue panelist, Dr. Jackie Madar, OBGYN at the Jewish General Hospital, and Laura Schaefer, who's a pelvic floor uh, physiotherapist. And if you have questions, send them in at 514-800. I hope we get to still talk about why pregnant couples should totally have sex, but I really want to help out these people so because uh, that was my agenda, and I don't want to just follow my agenda, but also uh, what our uh, our listeners want. Um, hi, Dr. Lori. So funny that all the ladies talk about penis size, but the size diameter of the vagina, unless aardvark guy has an aardvark gigantic penis, one wouldn't feel n- nothing if you have an average penis. It's like going in and out of a giant hole. Is there a way to retighten it surgically? That How often does that happen? 
Um, not very. Exactly. Right. So that's uh, and, and there are tightening. There are tightening procedures. There are, but I mean, I would first refer the patient to see like a physiotherapist mm-hmm. um, first of all, and then if there's nothing to be done, I mean, I don't do those procedures. Right. Um, I've had in in my three years of practice one patient complain about that, and she'd had like multiple deliveries, and she told me she couldn't feel anything. So, and she didn't have, she didn't have the money to pay for a physio. So it's rare. I mean, it's not, yeah. but now there are laser, there are laser machines and things that actually work on tightening, um, so for the, vagina, the so. for the lasers, what I do know about it is it can be used to help treat like menopause symptoms, like dryness. And also it's, but it's very experimental. So I wouldn't be able to give you any more advice on, you know, using it right. for tightening, um, I don't know if you ever see that, Laura, like some patients after they yeah. have kids. I yeah. mean, they again, the research is all prelim, preliminary yeah. on what the effects are and how long-term they're lasting. But some women are reporting, yeah, there's increased blood flow and they feel um, like things are tightened. But again, I, it's it's so early on to know long-term what's what's the laser's going to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Th- it's true that there aren't many studies on that, but there are... A select few doctors who do work and 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 do some of that. So yeah, usually urogynecologists who have more of a specialty in like pelvic floor reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Um, they're typically the ones that do those kinds of procedures. Okay. Yeah. Another question uh, here: um, Is it possible that an episiotomy is the cause of female ejaculation? I'm going to answer that no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no. So it wouldn't be the cause of anything like that. It's possible that after your pregnancy, after birth, some things can change that you have different sensitivities that maybe you've experienced some female ejaculation later in life or after you've had kids. That's possible because it could happen at any time, but that would definitely not be the source or the, uh, the cause of it. It's, it's when there's an, a certain area, usually, uh, it's related to, uh, to the uh, stimulation, basically, of the internal structure of the clitoris. So uh, with certain movements, whether it's through intercourse, it's usually through penetration, but not always. So, and, and some women do have an expulsion of, uh, of fluid. Uh, this text writes, I've always been complimented on being odorless. A friend of mine has had the same comments. I myself have noticed no odor. Is this normal since you said everybody has an odor? Odor doesn't mean smell. Like, I, I just want to make yeah. sure, like, it's not, odor doesn't mean a bad smell. Uh, and what is the odor healthy women are supposed to have? I would say it should be the odor of a glass of water, unless people get intimate after urinating without washing up. By the way, this is why bidets should be mandatory in all <laughs> residential bathrooms. I love bidets. They're great. <laughs> Apparently in Japan, bidets everywhere, I've heard. <laughs> Got to check it out. Yeah. So it, it's not that, yeah, odorless, yes, it's not, uh, how do you, how would you describe it? I mean, like, 
everything, like, if you try to smell your skin, like, everything has a smell. Yeah, exactly. Everybody, everyone has their own smell. It just, like you said, odor doesn't mean that there's a bad smell. Right. So, I don't even know what the word is. Should we use smell or odor? I don't know which one denotes, a, you know, like, like a bad thing. I feel associate odor with, with bad. The, with bad, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So let's talk Let's talk about just a, a neutral smell, but yeah. just like your skin yeah. Could have, you're right, yeah. like that neutral kind of smell. So uh, there you go. Uh, Texture writes uh, writes in, I keep getting bacterial infections with a lot of liquid. I'm tired of waiting in walk-in clinics when the doctors are not specialized in this and just give me antibiotics just to have it come back. At least fish is a more natural smell. Mine smells like a rag of soaked with chemicals. Yet apparently doctors think it is a bacterial vaginosis. What's the question? The question is, what sh- is it? Is it a bacterial vaginosis? I'd have to do a swab to check. So, are <laughs> these doctors doing swabs to check, uh, or are they giving I them? Mean, I wonder. You would, you would, you would think like there's different ways to diagnose a bacterial vaginosis. I mean, first is a smell. Some doctors have microscopes in their office, so you can actually take a sample of the discharge and look at the. Um, and look at the discharge under the microscope to see if it has the characteristic appearance of bacterial vaginosis. You can also mix it. Like there's different ways or you, the easiest is you just take a swab and you send it to the lab and the lab right. tells you within two days if there is one or if there's not. And so I've had patients where like sometimes you can have an infection called trichomonas vaginalis and that's an STI actually. And it kind of looks and can smell like bacterial vaginosis, okay. but you have to send a different swab for it. So if a patient keeps complaining of odor and discharge and if it's not bacterial vaginosis the first thing you have to do is look for another diagnosis mm-hmm. or another infection what could that 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 chemical smell be um i honestly am at a loss a little bit like yeah, depends so you'd have is to she putting it, anything in there is there blood in there like is she douching I don't know. A lot mm-hmm. of questions that I would have to know right. why. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes patients come and they complain and complain and complain about discharge and smell. And I examine them and I can't find anything. Wow. And so in those instances, I tell them to try like probiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, On a regular basis. Yeah. So to have, take a probiotic yeah. pill every day or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I am 50. Gave birth two years ago, so at 48, my GP keeps assuming I am in menopause. The only change I notice is that I had a 30-day cycle, 32-day cycle before giving birth, and after birth, I have a 28-day cycle. She warns me to be careful because it is slim but possible to still get pregnant. It's confusing because I'm left wondering, am I in menopause or what? She checked my blood work and said my hormones are normal. I feel confused. What does menopause look like? Not this. Okay, so the definition of menopause, it's very simple. It's one full year without a period. No hormone test will ever be useful. Like, the only time I ever do that is if a patient's had a hysterectomy right. and whatever. And you want but, to check, right. But, like, hormone tests are rarely useful. Patients ask for them all the time. I never do them. The definition of menopause is one year without a period. All right. Makes, uh, makes sense. Do you have questions for our Vagina Dialogues panel? Dr. Jackie Madar is in studio along with uh, physiothera- pelvic floor physiotherapist uh, Laura Schaefer. We can talk about uh, couples having sex during pregnancy. And uh, there's a few questions and comments coming up about tightness again. So we'll, uh, we'll address that. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. 
frank discussion with passion on CJAD 800. So many questions, so little time. Uh, Dr. Jacqueline Madar from uh, an OBGYN from the Jewish General Hospital, along with Laura Schaefer, a pelvic floor uh, physiotherapist, is here. So uh, this person writes in, sorry, but I have to disagree that it's rare, talking about um, very loose vaginas. Uh, since a lady giving birth naturally, there's a big difference in the size. I know a lot of married guys going for girls who are supposedly tight. You know, a lot of jerks, yeah. number one. And number two, we have two women in this studio who combined have seen, I don't know, thousands of vaginas after birth. And please, like, compared to the ones that, you know, the those few guys that you know it, it makes no sense. Like, please tell the audience again. Like, like I say, I examine women every day. I examine women who've had babies just to do a pap smear. Like when that speculum goes in, like it needs to open up. Like it's, it's tight after you deliver. Like it's. Right. You're not sticking no fist in there. Absolutely. <laughs> no. Like, and even some women after they've had babies, like I put in, I always use the smallest one even, and it's still uncomfortable for them. Like it's. There you go. There you go. And, and maybe for some women that are noticing that it, it is feeling more open, they just need to do the appropriate exercises right. and they haven't been trained to do those. So some of these men that are with women that are, are feeling that it isn't as, as, um, as tight, as, tight mm-hmm. as it was before, it could be just a matter of not doing the appropriate exercises in the muscles to get things back to where they should be. Right. And of course, so, if you're having sex with someone very soon after giving yes. birth, that's a different situation. Right. You've had a baby come through that area. It takes time for things to recoil, let's say, to get back to where it should. Makes perfect yes. sense. Uh, here's another question. Naturally, I've always had somewhat of a slight vinegar, vinegary vaginal scent and was wondering if it may be a sign that my pH is off balance. And for some time now, I've also noticed a pungent, though not necessarily significantly offensive odor in my urine and was wondering what it may be due to. Could this be diet also? Very Mm -hmm. possible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You're 100% right. I mean, for the vinegary smell of the vagina, again, like vagina's pH is acidic. Vinegar is acidic. Maybe that's just what your normal vagina smells like. Um, for the smelly pee though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, always want to rule out it's on infection, but it can definitely have to do with what you're eating. Yeah. So what you put into your body. So talking about why pregnant couples should totally have sex, how often do you get Jackie, um, couples who will come in or the husband comes in and who's like, or a white, a woman who says my husband's afraid to have intercourse with me. Yeah, a lot. Um, and also the woman who's afraid Mm -hmm. of having sex because, um, they're afraid both members of the couple are afraid that they're going to hurt the baby or mm-hmm. damage the baby or something. Um, and so, so, a lot of stigma around that, right? A, that a it's, lot. Uh, that a it's lot. somehow harmful or something. Yeah. Um, I've had, it's actually, I find probably more the women who feel uncomfortable about it than the men, but really? I have had, I have had uh, some men say that they're afraid and they feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. for sure. They don't want to hit the baby. The, the other thing, too, is there's this whole, uh, the role, you know, the, when the woman gets pregnant, she's now in the mother role. Like, there's a whole psychological yeah. 
part to it as well and could could contribute to some negative attitudes. Yeah. But there was a study that was published in the Archives of Sexual Behavior that found that a couple's attitude toward pregnant sex could actually affect their overall sexual satisfaction. Partners who shared a positive attitude toward pregnant sex were more satisfied overall than couples who went into the experiment with reservations toward pregnant sex. And women are often, especially in the second trimester, right, often hornier. Yeah. Like they ha- mm-hmm. have more desire. There's yeah. more blood flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they are more, they sometimes have their first orgasms mm-hmm. yeah. when they're pregnant. So uh, it's a good thing. Yeah. Unless your doctor tells you not to, right? If it's yeah, a I high mean, there's risk, certain, yeah, right? Yeah, there are certain conditions, you know, but then your doctor will say if you're not supposed to. Okay. So then there would be, yeah. but you would be told. Abs- you, you should would be, absolutely yeah. be told. It yeah. would not be. Uh, yeah. And what about to help uh, get labor going? Oh, that's a myth. <laughs> yeah, it? it is. Yeah, it for used me. to think if any, if anything, because we used to think that um, like the substances in the seminal fluid um, could help activate, uh, or there were prostaglandins in the seminal fluid, and pretty much it's hormones that could help get labor going. But or then the, that was or what sort about of the like, oxytocin from well, the orgasm? Acts that was what I was going to say. So if anything, it could be the orgasm, right? Like then you get these uterine contractions right. with the orgasm, but right. we don't think it's necessarily the semen okay yeah. no i i think it's the i the, think the it's, the, it's the orgasm yeah. that we we're just talk, talking about uh, that, that does today yeah. so if you're going to do that make sure you have enough get the pleasure and stimulation you need yes and get there so that that'll help you along um yeah that's uh, could be very uh, very interesting i want to answer a, a couple of other questions well how about this one i've heard that people opt for cesarean so that they don't lose tightness do you get a lot of women opting for not for that reason but i have had some patients with this phobia of vaginal birth ah. who've had some um, mental health problems okay. or PTSD from a previous bad experience. So those are special special situations that I really go on by case-by-case basis. But I mean, if it was for that reason, then I would highly discourage it and I would have the patient to see a colleague for a second opinion. All right. That's uh, also very, very important. Well, thank you, ladies. It's always such a pleasure to, uh, to have you here. Um, Already being pushed out? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oops. Uh, No, thank you very much. And if people want to uh, get in touch with you, well, they have to get a referral because you are uh, a a specialist, of course, so it works that way. Uh, And uh, so get a referral from your doctor, and she deals with specific issues, not wellness uh, checkups, right? Right. Um, So, okay. No gynecologist, all family doctors should do your pap smear. That's the bottom line. It's been mandated by the government. So Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's mandated not, by yeah, the... So. That family doctors should do it. So it's not an indication to see a gynecologist for a routine exam. It's just bad practice. Okay, great. Well, thank you for letting us know. Uh, of course, Laura is uh, on maternity leave. But if you would like to see a pelvic floor physiotherapist, you can contact us at well at uh, Capino Physio and Wellness Center on the West Island. They offer uh, services uh, for pelvic floor physiotherapists. Let me get to some last questions before I go. We were talking about the size of a man's penis. So a couple of uh, people wrote in, the studies on the size of men's penises are all fake and written by men that cannot get it up or women who are over the hill women speak about size all the time i'm yet to meet a woman that thinks size does not matter i know 10 women who are cheating right now because of size i i don't buy it 
First of all, I don't buy it. Uh, does a penis have a smell? An uncircumcised penis could have a smell if it's not washed uh, properly. Smegma, which accumulates in the, uh, it's a moist area, so absolutely can have a smell. And men can also get yeast infections and such. So there's that. If you, you can send in your questions to me anytime by email, lori at drlaurie.com. That's lori at drlaurie.com. I will answer them at the beginning of every show. Uh, thank you so much for spending your precious time with us. Thanks to our technical producer, Dave Simon. Uh, you can connect with me on social media as well at Dr. Lori Batito. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. Just